Greetings in the name of the great Redeemer this morning. Been good to be here. Uh, I can say I don't know a lot of people, but I, I pretty much feel at home here. So uh, the atmosphere is uh, feels like home, I guess. So uh, glad for that this morning. So uh, I don't know. Uh, don't know what you're expecting this morning. Um, the uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking my, uh, that was my father that had the devotional this morning, Floyd, and he's a, uh, he's also a minister and he's been, had about 20 some years of experience and I've had uh, a lot less than that. And uh, the, uh, you know, there was, thinking about that this morning, he was up here speaking and you know, I, as his son, I've inherited some of his characteristics, and, and I've been told at least. And uh, uh, one thing I wish I would have would be his, his voice. And uh, I don't have his, his, he doesn't even need a microphone, I don't think. But he uh, uh, don't have don't have that uh, opportunity, so hopefully I've uh, been told sometimes that uh, I don't speak loud enough. So bear with me, and uh, trust that we can... Uh, hear God's word this morning and study together. The, uh, I think so the services went well with what I had to share this morning, a uh, good lead up. Um, I'd like to talk about redemption. Uh, we think about the devotional, heard a lot of things that we uh, don't want to do, and liars and making God a liar. And we, you know, if we find ourselves in those things, uh, what we need is a good dose of redemption, right? And we need, uh, and also the word kept coming up in Sunday school. We're talking about reaping what we sow, but what if we're redeemed? The question came up. Uh, redeemed from our sins, and then we realize that helps with the, uh, we don't always have to. We've been redeemed from the consequences, uh, the eternal consequences at least, of our of our sins. And so, praise God for redemption. Um, I'd like to get into the message here. Um, Maybe just some definitions. What is redemption? Uh, Strong's, the synonyms that kind of gives there is ransom, rescue, release, deliverance. Webster says to buy back, repurchase, to get or win back. So we think of redemption as something that God, God's redemption to us. God already owned us because he created us. But yet he gave us the opportunity to walk away. And so now he has redeemed us and bought us back. Uh, he has paid a ransom. Think of the word ransom. Just a minute. You know, when we maybe the word's often used if there's someone is kidnapped or, and then so they want a ransom and it's either their life or this amount of money. And so that is redemption. That's what God has done for us. He has given the life of his son. To redeem us from our destiny. I liked, uh, I think Job understood redemption. In Job 19, 25 and 26, I'd like to look, to look at that just a little bit. Uh, I think it's a good definition of what redemption is. It says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, Shall I see God? Verse 27 too says, Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. 
though my reign be consumed within me. And Job understood, I think, that when God had no obligation to redeem us, and he understood who God was, and he understood who the greatness and the, the mighty power of God, but yet, as a sinner, as a sinful creature, you and I can see God with our eyes someday. For myself, we don't just have to imagine God. We don't just have to... He won't just put us in a little corner of heaven somewhere and He's way off over there somewhere. But no, we can see God. That's the extent that we have been redeemed. We don't know... We don't. God didn't owe us anything. forgot to give you the title of the message. The title is Redemption or a Broken Neck. And we're going to find that title in just a minute. But uh, think about it now the Old Testament sacrifices. We um, looking at the uh, the qualifications for a sacrifice or the uh, expectations of what the sacrifice was to be. It was to be the first fruit, the firstborn lamb, uh, or goat, or uh, calf, whatever. It had to be a firstborn. It had to be perfect, without spot or blemish. It had to be uh, the best that they had. Um, keep that in keep that in mind as we think of the need of a redeemer. Uh, the sacrifice that was a redemption for their sins from year to year. The, uh, the people of the children of Israel. But in Exodus thirty four nineteen and twenty is where we get our title from. It says uh, talking about the sacrifices and things, and it says all that openeth the matrix is mine, and every firstling among thy cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. If thou redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem, and none shall appear before me empty. So we're going to think about that just a minute. The firstling of an ass shalt thou, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. And I think this morning we want to think ourselves, think about ourselves for a minute. Don't mean to be crude here, but Think about ourselves as the donkeys. Think we're the donkeys in this passage. We needed a lamb to redeem us or our neck would be broken, figuratively speaking now. We would be destroyed. An ass was not a fit sacrifice. He was an unclean animal. Animals had to be uh, have certain qualifications to be a clean animal. They were, had to be, have cloven hooves and chew cud, and I don't remember what all they were, but an ass didn't, didn't uh, qualify. In the same way, we as people, we didn't qualify for our own redemption. We were unclean. We were sinful. We wandered away. And, you know, uh, donkeys don't have very good reputations, do they? We used to have one years ago. And uh, I, I was kind of scared of horses and stuff. And, and I got to riding that donkey there at one point. And one day he didn't want to be ridden, so he bucked me off. That was, I don't think, think I ever tried to ride him again. I didn't like him after that. So, uh, I guess that was a big chicken. But, you know, they're known for their stubbornness, their rebellion, their, uh, I mean, I'm not saying they're all that way, but that's kind of the reputation they have, right? Who else is known to be stubborn and rebellious? Is it not the human race, right? And, uh, you know, I think the, I think we can take a lot of lessons, you know? of what God doesn't want us to be. But too often that's the way I see, that's the way I find myself. 
find myself stubborn and rebellious. On the other hand, a lamb is the picture of innocence, purity, um, peacefulness often. You see paintings of sheep or lambs, uh, peaceful scenes, laying beside a stream, maybe trying to picture the 23rd Psalm, beside still waters, green pastures. That's what we think about when we think of lambs, right? But if the donkey in the Old Testament, the firstborn donkey, he wanted to, if he got to live, guess who had to die? An innocent little lamb. That had done absolutely nothing wrong. That was pure. And it had to be a perfect lamb at that. It couldn't be a cripple. It couldn't be uh, the thin one that wasn't doing well. It had to be the best. It had to be a firstborn lamb. That's not fair, is it? Well, who else had a pure, sinless, spotless lamb die for them? Again, the human race. When God was ready for a a great sacrifice to once and for all redeem all the donkeys, He couldn't use another donkey. It had to be a lamb. That was Jesus. And again, not only was it God's firstborn, but it was His only Son that He sacrificed for us. And I hope as we go through this message this morning that we can understand the great love that God had for us and redeeming us and who God is and why we needed redemption. That's one of some of the things we want to look at as we go through here. I'd like to, I'd like to just put a picture in our minds now of the Old Testament times, uh, the old Passover Let's think of a of a home in ancient Judea, maybe, or uh, somewhere over in that area. As a Jewish family, they are the time of the Passover is approaching. They are uh, the father and his sons are going to travel to Jerusalem to sacrifice, like they do every year. The mother is scurrying around the house like mothers do, and making sure they have what they need. And maybe it's a day's journey, maybe it's a couple days' journey. And their mother is worrying about the little boys. Make sure you stay with your dad. Don't get lost. Don't be careful. You know, uh, they've got their best lamb picked up. He's tied outside, ready to go. Don't let him get away from you. Hang on to him. This was this was normal life. Going to sacrifice this lamb for their redemption. I'd like to read a uh, okay. Well, picture with me now on the. Now they leave. They're walking. Along the road, the father and his two sons, they're leading the lamb, and you know how little boys are. They're like, Daddy, why are we taking this lamb down here? Where, where are we going? Tell us about. And, and, and their daddy is a good daddy, good Jewish daddy, and he's explaining to them uh, back to 
talking about Moses and the law and telling them stories about the old the law and why we have to sacrifice. God has commanded us to sacrifice because we have we have sinned. And he's using these for teaching moments. I'd like to read a poem. It's actually the lyrics of a song. I'm not endorsing the music kind of music goes with this song or anything, but um, I think the, the lyrics are uh, very thought-provoking. It's a little bit lengthy. But it always grips my heart when I read this. <clears throat> I think it brings out the, what happened when Jesus died. It says, Walking on the road to Jerusalem, the time had come to sacrifice again. My two small sons, they walked beside me on the road. The reason that they came was to watch the lamb. Daddy, Daddy, what will we see there? There's so much we don't understand. So I told them of Moses, Father Abraham. Then I said, dear children, watch the lamb. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. We must be sure the lamb doesn't run away. And I told them of Moses, Father Abraham. Then I said, Dear children, watch the Lamb. When we reached the city, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshipers, no joyful worship songs. I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men, and then I heard the crowd cry out, Crucify Him! We tried to leave the city, but we could not get away. Forced to play in this drama a part I did not wish to play. Why upon this day were men condemned to die? Why were we standing here where soon they would pass by? I looked and said, Even now they come. The first one cried for mercy. The people gave him none. The second one was violent. He was arrogant and loud. I still can hear his angry voice screaming at the crowd. Then someone said, There's Jesus. I could scarce believe my eyes. A man so badly beaten he barely looked alive. Blood poured from his body from the thorns upon his brow. Running down the cross, falling to the ground. I watched him as he struggled. I watched him as he fell. The cross came down upon his back. The crowd began to yell. In that moment I felt such agony. In that moment I felt such loss. Till a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed, You carry his cross. First, I tried to resist him. Then his hand reached for his sword. So I knelt and took the cross from the Lord. I placed it on my shoulder, started down the street. The blood that he'd been shedding was running down my cheek. They led us to Golgotha. They drove nails deep in his feet and hands. Yet upon the cross, I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes. Into thy hands I commit my spirit, he prayed, and then he died. I stood for what seemed like years. I'd lost all sense of time until I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the oldest say, Father, please forgive us. The lamb ran away. Daddy, Daddy, what have we seen here? There's so much we don't understand. So I took them in my arms and we turned and faced the cross. Then I said, Dear children, watch the Lamb.
It's man understood. This is a obviously trying to imagine uh, Simon, the man that carried Jesus' cross, but he understood. We didn't need that lamb that ran away anymore. We don't need him. That's over with. And again, we don't know if that's an actual. Sure, no one knows that was how it was, but it's just a, a beautiful picture in my mind of what happened. And as someone who understood what happened and what was happening, the great sacrifice was now done. I'd like to look at a bunch of scriptures now. Who is our Redeemer? Isaiah 47 verse 4 says, As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is His name, the Holy One of Israel. This is God. God in the flesh. Matthew 20 verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Himself saying why He came. To give His life as a ransom for many. To redeem us. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35 and read a few verses. Isaiah 35, 8 to 10. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but I won't for the sake of time. Beautiful picture. Again, a prophecy of the Redeemer coming. As the highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord. Notice the words, the ransomed, the redeemed. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Again, a wonderful prophecy. We can have this joy and this gladness because we have been ransomed. Because we're no longer in bondage. We're no longer slaves to sin. Praise God. Again, Isaiah 43, first couple of verses. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Another beautiful prophecy for the redeemed. Do we want redemption this morning? Do we have redemption? I like the verse in Luke 2.38 when uh, they brought baby Jesus into the temple and it talks about the prophetess Anna and it says, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There was people in Jerusalem that were looking for redemption. On an example, are we looking for redemption this morning? Yes, we need to be redeemed. But I think we need to be redeemed every day, don't we? I know I do, in a sense. So why do we need redemption? I'd like to just go now through the Old uh, New Testament, I'm, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm just going to read a few passages, in uh, mostly in Paul's writings. Uh, Paul understood the need for redemption. And we're going to learn maybe a little bit about redemption here. So uh, you go with me if you care to. First one is in Romans chapter 3, 
verses 9 to 31. About 20 verses we're going to read here. Romans 3, 9 to 31. <clears throat> what then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Doesn't sound good, does it, for the human race? Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he may might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Is it, it is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. I read all that um, so that we can see, first of all, the first part of picture of sinful man. And then we have, it says in verse... Uh, 24, it says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have no right, we have no justification to come before God outside of the redemption of Jesus Christ. We would have no chance. We need that high priest. We need that sacrifice. This is why we need redemption. Because we were estranged from God. We were not worthy to come to God. And we still are not worthy outside of Jesus Christ. It's only because of Him, because of this redemption, because we don't need our neck broken, so to speak. Because the Lamb has died for us to redeem us. That's why we can be justified in coming boldly, it says, before the throne of grace. And uh, we can find mercy, and grace, and all the things. God is just... God just loves to bless His people, I believe. As we see that in the Scriptures. I'm here to talk about this morning. But, praise God, because of His redemption, we can be justified in claiming those promises. Turn now to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. Many of these I'm just kind of jumping in for the sake of time. Uh, trust you know the... the um, 
surrounding passages and the, the context that they're in. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's the only thing we have this morning to glory in, is that we have a great Redeemer. He gets all the glory. He must get all the glory out of our lives. And the reason that he, can, he deserves the glory is that he has redeemed us from sin. He has brought us out from the curse of the law, it says, including us Gentiles. We for sure didn't deserve it. The Jews, God had chosen them through Abraham. But now because of the Redeemer, who was a son of Abraham, now we can be spiritual sons of Abraham. Galatians 3. Ten to fourteen. Galatians three ten. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Again, now here he says he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Here he calls the law a curse. Paul says the law was a good thing as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But the law was bondage because no one could keep the law perfectly. We still can. But God has redeemed us and He has given us grace and He has given us uh, the freedom to serve Him. We're no longer under bondage. Bond. And she says He was made a curse for us. It's a strong word. Colossians chapter 1 now. Two verses there. Verses 12 to 14. Three verses, I'm sorry. Colossians 1, 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is a clear verse. He has brought us out of darkness and tra translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Night. Today, that's what redemption does. If we've not been changed, we've not been redeemed. Because you can't be redeemed and still have, like we heard in devotions this morning, can't be, can't serve God and mammon. We can't serve uh, God and the devil. It doesn't work. We can't say that we believe and then not do not do right. It doesn't work. That's not redemption. Redemption is the change. Light to darkness.
Okay, let's go to Titus 2, 11 to 15. Titus 2, 11 to 15. says, um, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. <clears throat> we look for that blessed hope, it says. We are to be a called out people, a peculiar people, a separated people. He's not redeemed us to just stay like we were. Again, we need to be changed. He gives us a reason to live a redeemed life. A pure life. It says soberly, righteously, and godly. Zealous of good works. Is there fruit coming out of your life? Out of my life? I think that's a sign of redemption, right? Do we love? Do we have joy? Do we have peace? Are we long-suffering? Are we gentle, good, kind? These fruits of the Spirit, are they evident in our lives? That's what we've been called out. That's what we've been redeemed for. Bring glory and honor to Him through our lives in that way. Hebrews 9. Verses 11 to 14. Hebrews 9, 11. It says, But Christ, being come and a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into, in once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, I'm sorry, that's where I was supposed to stop at. Verse 14, yeah. Uh, again, he's saying, For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purity of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ? Um, you know, if that was enough, an animal, I mean, how much more the Son of God? I mean, you can't really get much further apart, can you? Um, you know, they're just... Plenty of, there's plenty of redemption out there. Put it that way. We don't need to be afraid. I don't know if God can redeem me. Yes, He can. And He can thoroughly redeem you. And He can thoroughly redeem me. The eternal redemption is just, it's not just for 10 years. We stay faithful. It's eternal redemption. A few more here. First Peter 1, 9 to 21. I've always uh, found this passage interesting to think about. First Peter one nine says, "Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, 
who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching water what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. What I want to notice here is this redemption that God has planned and has provided for us and has sent his son. This was something the prophets were looking for. They were trying to figure it out how it's going to happen. And here we are experiencing it. It says the angels desire to look into this thing. The angels don't know what it's like to be redeemed. They've not been redeemed because they never sinned. And they think, it says, the angels desire to look into... I wonder, are the angels jealous of us this morning? I don't know. It almost sounds like it. It almost seems, sounds like they think we have it better than them. Because God, they were just created, and they are, and they do their jobs or whatever you want to say. They have their place in heaven what they were created for. They've always done that. But they they look at us and they see, they know how sinful we are. And yet God has redeemed us and loved us. And they're, I think they're just, they're awed by that. Why would God love them? They probably understand our redemption better than we do. At least while we're here on this earth. Our redemption is precious. That's the point of this I want to make here in First Peter. Our redemption is precious. Let's not take it for granted. I'd like to go to uh, Revelation now. Redemption's not over yet. Think about that. We're not fully redeemed yet. We're going to look at that here in a minute. But in Revelation chapter 5, we have a scene. I don't know. I've heard different opinions on what this chapter is all about, what it's what we're seeing here. Uh, but I kind of think that this is a scene that's playing out in heaven for us. I'd just like to go, I know it's a lot of reading, but I'd just like to read chapter 5, at least most of it, starting in verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? 
And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, John says, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. What a sad picture. Here was this book. Maybe we could call it the book of redemption. But no one could open it. It was sealed. And it made John extremely sad as he saw this in his vision. In verse 5 he says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I think I'll stop there. I'd like to read the rest. But, but here we have this scene. No one found worthy to open the book. And then there was the lamb that had been slain, Jesus. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. He took the book and the four beasts and four and twenty elders. It says they fell down and worshipped. And they had the and they sung a new song. It says, Thou art worthy to open the seals of the book. Praise God. Someone is worthy. He wasn't always there. This was not always the case that there was found someone worthy. From the time of the fall, I believe, to the time of Jesus, there was no one worthy to open the book. There was no one in this scene. But now there is. That's why the angels desire to look into it, I believe. Let's go to Revelation chapter 7 now. Just two chapters over. We have another, another picture here of heaven. Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell down before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these... What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth upon the throne shall dwell among them and they shall, not, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light, a, light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
You know, I said that redemption is not completed yet. But here is redemption consummated. This is the pinnacle of redemption. This is what God wants. That's His whole plan for the redeemed is that we come and be with Him. As we see here in this picture. This is perfect redemption. This is completed redemption. This is what it's all about. This is what God wants. We are physically separated right now from God. But thanks to our Redeemer, thanks to redemption, one day we'll be with Him. Bring us back together. You know, we think about back at the Tower of Babel. Up to that time, everybody was kind of one people. They could talk to each other. They could communicate. God separated them to many different languages. It says there in verse 9 of Revelation 7, that's one, uh, all nations and kindreds and people and tongues all going to be there. God, again, bringing all the people back together. There's not going to be different languages in heaven. We're not going to be you're not going to have the American section and the European section and the African section of heaven. It's not going to be that way. Everybody's going to be together. The devil is always trying to separate us. And because of our sin, we're separated from each other. That's, that's why they were separated at the Tower of Babel. Because there, was, because there was sin, they had pride. They wanted to be like God. But through redemption, redemption always brings us back together. Back to God, back to each other. Restored relationships. Praise God. A few, few more verses here in closing. Psalm 103, 2-5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, God just wanting to redeem us, just wanting to bless us, just wanting to pour out His forgiveness and His mercy upon us. What a great God we serve. Psalm 130, verse 7. It's the last verse I have here. And this verse is just a short, simple verse. It says, Let Israel, Psalm 130, verse 7 says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. There's plenty of redemption out there. You know, you and I are going to be dead for a really long time. Let's make sure we have redemption. We have been redeemed. We have a Redeemer. We don't want our neck broken. Because the lamb has already been slain. It's not necessary. Plenty of redemption. And like we say in the south, go get you some. It's there for the taking. God has already done it. It's just up to us. Do we kneel and pray?